want to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Thank you for your prayers. I feel much better. If any of you have what I have, then I was praying for you. verses 1 through 4. Start there today. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are humbled this morning to come before you in, in communion and prayer and now before your word. And it is the desire of our heart that you lead us and come among us and that we see that result in a way that Things unfold before us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Every one of us is in a valley. We are spiritual skeletons. One writer observed it this way, we are ossified remains of our attempts to survive loss, to deal with the skeletons in our closets, if you will, to restore the loss you experienced when you stripped away the good you wanted to do, and settled for the pleasure we could get. We have all hungered and thirsted our lives away by choosing what we thought we needed at the moment instead of what we ultimately needed in the end. What we needed was life, real righteousness, real peace, real fellowship with God and men. But in the midst of our struggle to survive, we chose to fill that need with whatever could provide relief now. We are exhausted from the battle. We are discouraged from countless defeats. We don't see any actual path out of our depression. We just dried up. Dry bones. Being our unspectacular lives, convincing us that we are as good as dead anyway. That's the reality, but that's not the point. The Hebrew word astomot, meaning bones, is derived from the verb aston, meaning a word mean that means to be strong, mighty, great. So bones are not signs of failure, but the fact that there are any bones at all is opportunity to power, to something that becomes become strong again, as it once was and as it was intended to be. Dry bones are hope, not defeat. The skeleton needs only the spirit to live again. God reviving what has become dry and lifeless. Today, I challenge you to admit 
that we all need a revival from God. That begins by admitting with me that we have a sin problem in our times. It is one of the greatest needs we must deal with in our society. Our one university professor put it this way. He said, I could give you a variety of reasons and answers all the way from tax relief to disarmament. I may surprise you, he said, because I'm not a religious man, but I believe that the greatest need that we have at this hour is of a spiritual awakening that will restore individual and collective morals and integrity throughout the nation. One evangelist said this, he said, a hostile world is seething with a hatred, intrigue, lawlessness, and godless aggression. The wicked prosper, and in many areas of the world, the righteous suffer. People are confused, unstable, and unhappy. Scarcely, if ever, has economic prosperity been accompanied by such widespread unhappiness, lawlessness, and rebellion. The heart of the world is aching for peace, for reality, and for God. If we ever needed guidance, if we ever needed stability, if we ever needed strength, if we ever needed faith, if we ever needed integrity, if we ever needed righteousness, if we ever needed a heaven-sent revival, it is at this present hour. Revival. That is at the heart cry of thousands of people everywhere. It is our greatest need. But I need you to admit me that not only is sin a problem in our times, but that we have a sin problem in our church right here. To bear the name Christian is not enough. If our conduct doesn't measure up to Christ's standards, condemnation will be ours. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, Jesus said, You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. To attend church is not enough either. If we fail to let Christ be Lord and Master of our lives, if we come, must come under the judgment of God who said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. We are spiritually standing still. Daniel King put it this way. He said, If we sit in church receiving all the time, but have stopped giving to others, we begin to stagnate. We become critical and fault-finding. We are spiritually self-satisfied, living in a comfort zone, living at a lower level than God has equipped us. We are not using our gifts, our talents, our abilities for God. We make excuses for not leading people to church. As a church, we are spiritually barren, and that means not producing Churches that are not saving the lost are not having any spiritual children and they're not showing any fruit for the master. And that leads me to one final admission that we have to admit that not only sin a problem in our times and that sin is a problem in our church, but we have to admit that sin is a problem in our lives. You thought those skeletons <coughs> in the closet were worthless weights of shame. God sees them as the foundation of a renewed life. The basis for rebuilding. God made you. He is not going to throw you away in order to make someone else. Perhaps the first step in making bones alive is to recognize that they are my bones. My past belongs to me. And if it, it, even if it is far from what God wanted, it is mine to give to Him and He can bring them revival. 
As long as I keep the skeletons in my closet, denying them even a place in the house I occupy, and bringing them to the house of God, God cannot give me new life. They just keep my house chained to a valley, rather a rut, which is, as some people observe, a grave with the ends kicked out. Today, I want to show you what a revival brings to us. Now, I want you to understand something. You don't get to follow a formula. You don't get to franchise a revival from God. It's not ten easy steps and all of a sudden God appears. And it's not so many incantatious words that we speak and God suddenly pours out His Spirit. This is something that comes from God. But I will show you what a revival would bring to us. A revival is the hand of God upon my heart. Isaiah 57 and verse 15 says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. Ezekiel 37, verses 5 and 6, there in your text. It says, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. A revival is the hand of God upon my heart and my life. A revival is the Spirit of God working through us. The enemy of our souls, the devil himself, has weakened the effectiveness of the church because we have majored on controversy and dissension rather than on going forth weeping and spreading the precious seed of his word. Psalm 126 and verse 6, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Wherever I was growing up, we would bring bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing. Bringing in the sheaves. But you can't bring in the sheaves. Unless you plant the seed. As God's presence prepares our hearts to hear. And God restores our life by his touch. We will give up the false gods that we adore, that we so adore. Ralph Waldo Emerson stated that. Rather than freeing ourselves from idolatry. We've merely transferred our idols. We've given up wood and stone and now we worship a tablet, the silicon and the chips, the electrodes, the steel and glass, the paper and ink. It becomes something we can't live without, so addicted to it that we can't put it down. We must submit our lives to God's authority. Submission brings revival, a surrender to God of every part of our lives, and that scares us. But trusting God and acting out that trust calls Trust of God causing us to move out in faith and to claim the victory that He has already promised. And if revival brings the presence of God to my heart and the Spirit of God working through us, then revival is the evidence that Jesus is real as seen in us. If Christianity is important at all, it is all important. If it is anything at all, it is everything. It is either the most vital thing in your life or it isn't worth bothering with. We need a revival of Christian faith, a Christian experience of God consciousness. He is holy. 
He is righteous. He is real. He is absolute and personal. He is a God of love and of mercy. And that reality will be transferred to the world and revival can come. Now, you are sitting there and if you are following with me and your heart is with my heart, then you know and I know that I want to challenge every one of us to prepare for a revival from God. How does that happen? Like I told you, there's not a formula for it. A lot of preachers would stand up here and tell you you've got to do these things, you've got to do this and you've got to do that, and then a revival will come. Trust me, for 35 years, I have stood in this pulpit or in front of you, and I have told you things that we must do. And we've done those things, and there's been no revival. And all I can think of is this, is that you know I can tell you what to do, but if it's me telling you what to do, there is no God in it. And that's where revival starts, is with God. We have got to humble ourselves before God. And then whatever we do comes when the revival starts. So I'm going to tell you four things that we can do. For God, for us to be prepared when a revival comes from God. First, pray intentionally, pray passionately. Pray for God to be present among us. I have gone back 300 years. I have read sermon after sermon after sermon on revival. All the way from Jonathan Edwards and Whitefield and, 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 and the, the, the revivals of the 60s and, and back further further than that and the, and, the, and, the, and the Spurgeons and all of those names that come up in history. Every one of them, to the man who stood before the people calling for a revival from God, started with this one thing. We have to pray. We have to pray intentionally. We have to pray passionately. And we have to pray for God to be present among us. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Starts out with these humble words. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. According to the Shionoth, O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and verse 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways that I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. There must be a deep-seated heart yearning for revival. Not just the mere muttering of words. Not just pious platitudes and religious mouthings. But earnest, fervent prayer. The Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James chapter 5 and verse 16. Let every soul be anguished. Let the tears flow. Let your heart be burdened for the lost. Let it hurt for the people who do not know Jesus. Once someone told a preacher, pray for my son to be saved. He is a good boy, but he needs Jesus. But in reality, he was not good. He was a boy. He was dead, dry bones without Christ. Oh, he may have done some good things. 
But without Christ, he is just a dead, dry bones. Without Christ, people are dead, dry bones. See the world around you as dead, dry bones. We don't need more politics and more education and more tolerance. We need the breath of God to come into the people we love and the world around us. We live in a valley of dead bones, needing the resurrection of God. Second, we must openly and honestly repent of our personal sin. Call it what it is and turn from it. We must forsake our sins. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 and verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Repentance is more than simply feeling sorry for our sins. One writer said it this way, Repentance without change is like continually turning on the faucet without mending the leak in the pipe. We must recognize our need to be restored to God. Don't lie by professing Christ without possessing Him. Don't lock the church door with, with, with the key of inconsistency and keep the, law, keep the lost from coming to Christ. Don't hinder revival by your unbelief and your prayerlessness. Don't cheat yourself out of spiritual victory by allowing sin to imprison you. Seek God's face. Turn from your wicked ways. Then He will hear from heaven. That's what He said. That's what He meant. That's what He will do. And the third thing, to take the step to be reconciled to others because we share sin. In a revival meeting, down the aisle came a woman. And I'm always, in these stories, it's always a woman. Because men don't walk the aisle. I don't know why they don't walk the aisle. Why doesn't a man's heart break? But in this story, it was a woman. She comes down the aisle, her heart broken in revival as God witnessed her, her faith coming to him for repentance. And she sits on the front row, weeping, sobbing. And as she sat there weeping and sobbing down the other aisle, here comes another woman and she's all dressed in her finery. One of the, one of the pillars of the church in that community. And she comes and she stands before the woman who was weeping and she stood there and she said, you know, she said, I've always said that there were two things that would make me shout in church. One is if God would save my husband and the other if this dear woman would come back into the fold and to the love and the grace of our Lord God. And that woman who was seated, what do you think she did? She stood up she looked at that proud, practical-looking, dignified woman, and she said to her, I have hated you, and I have cursed you. I have demeaned and belittled you. I have gossiped about you, and I have told lies about you. She said, oh God, please forgive me. And forgive me, my sweet, precious friend. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. It opened the door. The enmity and the bitterness and the hatred of those two women was known throughout that part of the world and throughout that church. 
Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul would tell Syntyche and Iodias, he said, tell them to love one another. You can't describe the effect of a thing like that it has upon people. That's God's work. People coming forward, a mother and a daughter, a businessman and his employee, all kinds, coming down the aisles in faith and trust, moved of God. That's the work of the Lord. Finally, we need to talk about what God is doing here with us for His cause. The church holds the key to revival. It is within our grasp. We will rise to the challenge. Will we dare pay the price? The supply of heaven is adequate for the demands of our spiritually starved world. Will we fail to offer what God has to provide? We will pray. We will prepare. And oh God, let it be that when we see the arm of the Lord extended to us, let it be something God does. Lord, we're going to organize, and we're going to plan, and we're going to prepare, and we'll do everything that that the human mind can think of, getting ready for your revival. But oh God, what are these feeble efforts on our part if you are not present, and if it is not God's work? Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. God was crying over the scattered dry bones. And he showed Ezekiel the bones so that the prophet would understand the tragedy. But he showed him the bones to tell him that there was hope for the dry bones. And there is hope for the dry bones that we see around us. And there are hope for the dry bones that are your life as well. Ezekiel did not know what to say to the dry bones. But God gave him a word to say to those dry bones. Let us prepare for a revival from God so that we may be full of power, leading people to Jesus and offering them the word from God. Let us be full of purpose, committed to obeying that word from God. Let us be excited about making and shaping and teaching the future disciples of God's kingdom. Let us be full of passion and compassion, loving God and loving people. Listen to me if you hear nothing else today. God wants dry bones to live. If you feel spiritually lost or spiritually dead, today is the day for you to come alive. God says to you, then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 13 and 14. God is in the business of raising the dead. Will you let him raise you from the dead today? Pray with me. There it is, Lord. There's a word. I pray it's been delivered with love and truth beyond all things. Hear our prayers. That you come and be present among us. And that your revival begin. And we wait.
trust that you will do your work among us. Because you raised Jesus, raise us up as people, as a church, to go out into your world and to share the resurrection. Because of Jesus, in his name, amen. The invitation is yours. You know what you need to do. You might need to be baptized. You might need to repent of sin. Maybe the revival might start. Whatever you need, we're going to stand now. We're going to sing. So we come to the front and make your need. As we sing.